Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up in about a little over an hour from now, Dan Mullen will join us. We'll discuss the trial that took over the nation. Uh, Alec Murdaugh, even O.J. Simpson's being asked about it, if you can believe that. As Alec uh, sentenced now to double life sentences without parole. I'll say I watched the O.J. Simpson analysis of the trial. and How was he? Pretty good. All right, well, I want to recap. His analysis was pretty pretty fair on it. I mean, if you just go into it completely blind to everything, I'm like, he, this did, guy could be a legal yeah. analyst for a network. <laughs> i got to hear this. Very good presentation. Said everything clearly. Great communicator. Hendon Hooker took the podium today. Quarterbacks on full display up in Indy at the Combine. Had a perfect answer to... The criticism of, oh, he's a one-read quarterback. Chad, we chatted with him last month at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And we directly asked him about this. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be faced with this question. He was ready for it today. And he said, it's not my problem that my first read is getting open. <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> uh, that's, that's perfect. And the, the progressions of an offense, I don't know how you watch Tennessee's offense and think that Hooker doesn't read the defense and change plays to the line of scrimmage. To me, it's a narrative that's put out there by guys who really don't watch football, college football at least. And there's an echo chamber with a criticism from one draft analyst to the next. At least that's my take on it. Because I don't watch him play and think, ah, it's a system quarterback that's only going to work for Josh Heupel and can't work in the NFL. The NFL is moving in that direction. Maybe not as uh, a snap every 13 seconds, but... Tennessee, in large part, became Tennessee of last year because Hendon Hooker was running the offense. I would want him under consideration for any franchise if I'm a GM. And we could roll his answer to us about this where he said, I mean, go look at all the amount of plays I switched to a run or switch the side of it, or it's a pre-snap read and getting a set with a different play. He said that Josh Heupel's offense gives the keys over to the quarterback in that respect. So he's making a lot of decisions about that. I mean, I, I get it. You know, it's, it, there's always going to be this system quarterback knock happen for Mike Leach quarterbacks. It's going to happen for Josh Heupel guys too, because if they're do, if they're doing what they've been doing, everyone's going to put up huge numbers. If you're playing at this rate, everyone's going to score a lot of points, and I mean, you, it kind of all blends together. But just turn on the tape and watch Hendon Hooker make plays. And throw the ball with accuracy and throw a great and, deep ball with touch. And the wide splits that they use yeah. and the arm, the arm talent. He's making checks at the line, not just for the play, but for the protection calls. Yeah. Again, I, I, if you're going to criticize him, to me, it's either the age or the ACL, right? Like the, the, That's it. Other than that, he's, a, he's drafted day two, maybe day one in the back half of the first round if he's completely healthy right now. I think he has every tangible factor, height, size, speed, arm strength, accuracy, all that. And he is going to check every intangible box for you, all of them. 
you will not have to worry about this guy at all. If he comes in and your, your plan is he's going to sit for a year and then become the starter, or he, maybe he's a, a backup, at some, he will do any job and do it well and represent your organization the right way, and you're not going to have to worry about the guy with all of the intangibles. Everyone who's been around him knows that about him. We could sense that Hutton just sitting down and talking yeah. with him in Phoenix also. He's going to be a great asset for someone. Well, and he's telling teams that he's going to be ready for training camp in his recovery time. And this is the, this is the event where the medicals are, are known. You can't hide them. Right? Yeah. You're going to go through the, the cattle prodding, as we call it, Chad. Yep. And teams will mark him off their list if they don't think he's going to be fully healthy by a certain amount of time. And I think the, the age factor, one of the older prospects, it's him and Stetson. They're the oldest prospects. Yeah, he's 24, I think, and Stetson's 25 going yeah. into the draft. Yep. Um, you're going to have more of this, by the way, with the COVID year. Yep. You're going to see some prospects going with into the drafts that's, yeah, that's older and older. Guys getting you know, six years of eligibility in a lot of cases. So, guard for Illinois, uh, Matt Mayer. Chad, he had caffeine poisoning. <laughs> and not just, you know, the routine caffeine poison, like bare minimum, oh, I don't feel all, all that great, I'm too hyped up, so it's an energy zap. No, it's, he felt like he had you know, the flu, like a bad hangover off of monster energy drinks. He, uh, he pounded how many of them over a short... He was what, playing video games. Yes, he had six total uh, and five post-game. And he um, said it's a monster energy drink. These are like 24-ounce cans. Yes, he had five throughout the evening, which, and that was his sixth on the day. And, yeah, he drank one before the game, but five while he's playing video games. And so the Monster Energy drink, 25 grams of sugar per can, 160 milligrams of caffeine. And if you look at the FDA site, a 12-ounce can of a caffeinated soft drink usually contains 30 to 40 milligrams of caffeine. Every Monster Energy is 160 milligrams of caffeine. He may have given himself diabetes also with that sugar intake in that short amount of time. Um, I immediately thought of, do you remember the Saved by the Bell episode where Jesse Spano was hooked on caffeine pills? No. There was like a, there was like an episode, it's hilarious when you think about it now, but it was like a, you know, don't do drugs type high school Saved by the Bell episode, and Jesse Spano gets hooked on caffeine pills. And there's a lot of uh, uh, gifts out there of, of Jesse, you know, that she's doing the, I'm, I'm so excited, I'm so excited dance, and then she said, I'm so scared from the caffeine pills. And then I heard this story, and I'm thinking, man, maybe Saved by the Bell was onto something. These caffeine, you know, too much caffeine really can harm you in some way. I did not know caffeine poisoning was an actual thing and until this a story. massive crash. He says he, you know, he, he wants the caffeine rush while he's playing video games all night, apparently. Six of them total. I, I would say that's probably the last time he'll do that while he's a player uh, at, at Illinois. I would think the coaches would t tell you, hey, let's, prop let's cool Cut it, it down. with that. Yeah, maybe one a day, maybe two. But especially when you're sitting there playing video games and you know powering through five monster energies, not a good idea. Louisiana Tech lost to Ole Miss despite scoring more runs uh, earlier this week. Uh, a controversial ruling, of course, is why this happened. You have the, the national champion Rebels hosting the Conference USA opponent here. And so Louisiana Tech scored two runs in the top of the seventh. They took a 5-4 lead, and it was still batting with two outs when lightning struck. So this was 10 miles away, and each lightning strike is a 30-minute delay, and by rule, 
you can warm up after that. So it ended up being a two-hour delay. The game was cleared by 7.45 after a 5.25 stoppage. So not long after that, more rain. You had a huge thunderstorm, so that lasted all night. And then as a result, the game was called in the middle of the 7th with the Bulldogs leading by one run, it would not continue. However, because both teams did not get a chance to bat in the final inning before the delay, by rule, the game reverts back to the previous completed full inning, and Louisiana Tech ends up losing that game to Ole Miss. This story is not a ringing endorsement of college baseball as a whole. That's what I thought when I saw this. I'm thinking, you know, no legitimate sporting activity could end this way. This is just very, very odd. And not, none of the stats count. Like, and it, also, like, it feels like something that, you know, you could just do this if you're the school. Like, the lightning's 10 miles away. What if it was 11 miles away? What if it was well, 12 miles away? And you're like, well, boy, they're getting a rally going here. We got lightning. Oh, I see. 20 miles away, guys. All right, everybody off the field. Clear it. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, coach. We have to go back to the previous inning total where we were ahead by one. Game over. We win. This is like taking your ball and going home. There was no way they could come back and play it the next day. I guess not based on the travel. I mean, again, apparently you can make rules up as you go in college baseball. Can you just play it the next morning? Can they miss their morning classes and go back to Ruston, Louisiana afterwards? I mean, this is like uh, the Miami Dolphins scheduling games in Miami for the first two weeks of September. I guarantee you one of those two games for the home opener for Miami is going to have lightning or weather or hurricane-like storms that will hit. I mean, it's just the time of year. College baseball is started way too soon, way too early in the calendar year, where you're either snowing outside, it's way too cold, or you're in the time of year where we're warming up in the you know outside and you have storms all over the place, especially in the SEC. Like so, kick it back a month, condense this schedule. And play your championship when you're playing it. I don't. I don't get why you have to have a first pitch in February. I don't. I don't understand people who can talk about college baseball in February or baseball in general. Or, yeah, until the World Series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, until the play. I mean, I, I understand. You know, now like okay, NCAA tournament time, conference tournament, whatever. But I mean, come on. Like, it, 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 it's baseball to me is very much a feeling of a sport, right? Yeah. It needs to be warm. <laughs> If I, I, I can't oh, think about needs it to be in the air. unless the weather is warm. It's not a sport. I can think about football year-round. Yeah, the Masters and, talk about and it. Major League Baseball starting yeah, at the same like time. I, when I think baseball, I think like I need to go out and mow my yard in the fourth and fifth inning and get back to watch the last couple of innings. Yep. That's what I think about with baseball. I, you know, there's February college baseball and the ding of a bat is not what I think about with America's pastime. However, you are getting ready to... Kick it in full gear for your softball team. I mean, I, the, the, bo- the body's not ready, Hutton. You know, the, my body clock has not turned to a spring uh, body clock yet. Spring training's been I'm going not on, though. I've sprung forward yet. Withrow's team is going to I, be stacked. I got to get my mind right for practice and, and feel what's, a baseball, what's the softball run rule? type What's the type run rule move. there? The, the run rule is kind of it's, it's sort of like college baseball's run rule. Very odd, I yeah. think. It's like if you get to a point where the other team can't catch up. <laughs> so oh, it's like the last batter. Thing. Well, it's it's six run max each inning. So if you're up seven with an inning to play, it's over. If that's, you're up, that's the routine. If for you're this up team, the Red 13 Sox. with two innings to play, it's over. 
right? Or there's just not enough time for the other team to catch up. That's kind of the run rule. It's sort of feel it out as it goes. I don't know. It's not like if you're up 10 nothing, it ends. It's just you get to a point in the game where the other team can't possibly catch up, even if they score their max allotment of runs in each inning. That's when they end the uh, the, the coach pitch softball games. But I'm glad you asked. Thank you. Yes, I, I, happy to answer. I think any, we should mic you up for one of these games. Happy to answer any you know six, seven, eight year old coach pitch softball I, questions I, you may you have. You should be mic'd up, and we should be able to hear the back and forth between you and you know, the other coaches or parents that you know want you to pitch a little bit better. It would take some aggressive editing. Um, I see Haley Karania here in studio with us. She's a good editor. We would need someone to go through and like that. That's the hard part, right? Davey was talking about the other day about having to listen to like calls and having to put for the Murdoch documentary and putting those oh, together yeah. and just how tedious that would be to go through every call and have to transcribe it and pick out what you wanted from each call. That's the way I'd feel about it. I'm talking so much over the course of a, a game that you'd really have to go through and listen to the entire game. But it's only like an hour and 15 minutes, right? But listen to everything I'm saying to the play, and then just pick out the best parts and then piece that together in a four-minute video. Just want, I want the little snippet of when one guy says, Chad, I'm going to pitch this inning, and your response. Oh, well, we don't really have that. Like, yeah, oh, I think you it, have in the past. I think any talk about uh, someone else pitching on our team happens behind my back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any of that happens to my face. I've, I've never had anyone come up and say anything to me about, uh, about my pitching. Chad, so you watched OJ's reaction to the Alec Murdaugh uh, guilty verdict. What did he have to say? OJ Simpson was chiming in on this. People well, were asking him for his feedback? Well, the best part of, of the whole OJ Simpson thing is that um, he opens the video by saying, for some reason people think I'm an expert on trial, so let me weigh in on this. And I'm thinking, well, the reason is that you were involved You're an expert. in the most high-profile trial of our lifetime if you were alive for the OJ case. So that, that's why people go to you with any talk of this. Um, but, I mean, OJ, look, he, very fair, very balanced in his hey, assessment. Look at this as, as if he did it. Yeah, this is what he would have he done. He said, I, look, <laughs> he said he should be looking for the killer if, uh, if it wasn't him. He said he thinks he did it, and that, uh, he, but he also thought that it was going to be uh, not guilty because there was enough doubt. Really? In the case, but he also said, I, in fairness, I've watched a little bit of the trial. I haven't watched all of it, so I can't assess everything. But listening to him, I felt like he did it. And I'm thinking, well, takes one to know one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would know the routine, right? Yeah. He's like, look, I've, I've went back and watched myself in, 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 the, in the trial, my body language. And, you know, as a murderer, uh, I know exactly what a murderer looks like during a trial. That's what I'm thinking OJ should have said. Let's dive into this uh, a bit because it was a six-week trial that took three hours to deliberate by the jury yesterday in South Carolina. When we come back, we'll give thoughts on this. Uh, plus, the Raptors apologizing for Women's uh, History Month in a video they put out. And we will also hear from Kurt Schilling. And uh, another great discussion where you can check out the Kurt Schilling baseball show uh, on outkick.com right now and it drops every Tuesday and the new one's out right now on Friday. More coming on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick 360 rolls on. You can join us in the chat. Chat is there right now on YouTube. You can also chime in on social. Just search out Outkick 360. Chat, I, I was following the Alec Murdoch trial um, in South Carolina that took place over the course of the last six weeks. It was scheduled to go originally on the docket for three weeks. And this thing drug out for an extra, like double the amount of time. But it only took three hours for the jury to deliberate and come back with guilty verdicts uh, of Alec Murdoch now found guilty of murdering his wife and his youngest son. And he's led away to prison after today's sentencing, made it uh, official where he gets uh, double life sentences without the possibility of parole. And now, I mean, there are legitimately like 99 other counts that he faces in other uh, cases across this low country of South Carolina region, like a five-county region. Um, so he'll be back in the headlines a lot, but this was the one that they had to, that, that trumped the rest. They wanted this one first, and then they're getting to all the money laundering and stealing and everything else that went down. But I, people were saying it could be a hung jury. I didn't see how because he was, so he, when he took the stand, the defense was, well, SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Agency, they immediately put out a statement like the next morning that said, don't worry about it. There's no, the, the community shouldn't be alarmed. Uh, the killers aren't on the loose here. And the defense was, well, why did you jump to that conclusion so quickly? Well, that's a great defense. Yeah. You've zeroed in on one person. But if you really think about it, he didn't do it either. He went back to his house, according to his story. He was driving around town the day after that. He didn't act like he was under any type of danger. To me, that's because he killed them. And I think that's what the jury went back and discussed. You were also pointing to there was some uh, information on the OnStar tracking of his truck. Yeah, yeah because originally he said he wasn't he there. Was, and then yeah, they've got like three or four homes. And at this one... Uh, one of their farms. They've Moselle got, uh, is the yeah, main residence. Dog kennels, and he's claimed he wasn't there when he was. So, and he's also, you know, he hired a hitman to try to kill him, like himself, after these homicides took place. Yeah, you would think that if there was a vigilante on the loose that were going after him for the boat accident, which some thought at the time, right. you'd probably be a little bit worried if your wife and child would, got killed. I would you'd think be so. mourning them. You would need but, protection around you. Yeah, you would hire protection and really be concerned that someone was coming after you. That wasn't the case because, as he was convicted of, he's the one who murdered his wife and son. My big takeaway from all of this, well, first off, I have a hard time saying Alec Murdoch because it's Alex is his name. Yeah. So you're it's just, weird. You're just calling yourself something that's that's not how that spelling, that's not how you say that name, but whatever. Um, we saw the death of a good old boy system in a town in this with this murder conviction. I mean, we're talking generations of wealthy people, big fish, small pond mm -hmm. in Hampton and the low country 
with the Murdochs and then the uh, the other family, the Lafitte family, yep. that's being charged with crimes also that started uh, Palmetto State Bank and owns that mm-hmm. in the region. Now, now there's some crimes they've been charged with as well because their dealings with, with the Murdoch family. Um, that was my thing was, man, we're this is an institutional thing with this family and money. And I'm not saying that the family was, you know, out killing family members throughout time, but it fell apart with Alex Murdoch and this whole story with uh, addiction to pain pills, with financial crimes and just flat out robbing people and stealing their insurance money. And then the murder of uh, two family members. And possibly more. It was, it was crazy. I'm watching and think, okay, this is, you know, uh, obviously a big change in this, this guy's life. And we're getting some closure with all of this. But on top of that, I think this could be a new chapter in that whole area and that whole family and what happens now. He's, sat, he's got his oldest son that was there yeah, so in the courtroom with him, Bur- Buster Murdoch also. Uh, they, they did not have any victim impact statements today at the sentencing. And the prosecutor uh, made it seem like he didn't have any because no one was on the side of what the jury came to decide, which was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So he's got his son Buster, and then his brother uh, John Marvin is his name. Yeah. Um, again, like the, the intrigue is just the family and like how they're intertwined with all this. From back, I, I think they believe in Alec Murdaugh and not the the jury here, which is overwhelming to me evidence that he did it. But it's all circumstantial, right? He didn't have blood on him or anything like that. But if you go back through the the web of this. That's what makes the intrigue so... That's why it gripped the interest of Netflix and HBO with the, the series that they have. Um, from the boat accident with the son that was murdered, um, the lawsuits that they faced potentially off of that, and how he would go in... He had a housekeeper that slipped and fell, quote-unquote. He would go in and try to represent them and then never actually pay out the money when essentially he's suing himself... Um, which is what he was trying to do on the, the boat accident as well in the hospital. But his, I mean, his grandfather has a, a mural, a, a, a portrait on the courthouse wall that they had to remove so they could have a fair trial that no one would look at the name of the grandfather because the Murdoch uh, family has ruled over this area for 100 years. It's crazy. I mean, the whole, the whole story with the boat accident, going back to that, but just the whole family lineage and how they controlled every lever of power in that area as solicitors, as politicians, as lawyers, their ties to law enforcement. It really is crazy and now to see all that crumble with this case and with these crimes. Um, does John Marvin, by the way, does he pronounce his first name Josh? <laughs> it, it's, it's J-O-H-M, but it's, 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 pronounced, John, it's, John pronounced, Marvin. it's pronounced Josh. It's a completely different word, actually, that just fires me up every time I hear him say, it's Alec. No, it's not. It's Alex. You'd have to change your name legally to A-L-E-C if you wanted to be called Alec. Um, it's a crazy, crazy story. I went down the rabbit hole all weekend. Oh, on top of this, and he, watched both he has a series. South Carolina... I didn't see much of the trial. He saw has the a verdict South yesterday. Carolina senator representing him as his lead attorney. How crazy is that? It's nuts. It's nuts. And I, I, I do wonder what happens now. The thinking was when he tried to have someone kill him yeah. in a sort of attempted suicide was that he wanted to protect Buster, his oldest son, well, so that he could kind of continue on with the law reached, firm and everything yeah, else. he had reached the end of the road, and he wanted people to think that he actually didn't do it because the, the gunman, they came back for him. 
Buster can't live there anymore, right? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I man. mean, think about that, though. That family name was just synonymous with wealth and power for generations. And now, what's it synonymous with? It's, it's nationally famous. Yeah. So, much less in that area. So what, what do you do if you're him? He's a lawyer also. I know he went like, to law school yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, Robert Durst. Yeah. With that, that whole saga that played out on Netflix. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, if you haven't seen that, that is the mic'd up session that is awesome where they're interviewing him and then he admits to doing it but doesn't know he's still mic'd up in the bathroom. He forgets he's mic'd up with the law. There was, uh, I'm going back to the, the book I read on HBO, Tinderbox, but there is a chapter devoted to that, the, the curse, I think was the docuseries, yeah. where he admits it on, on, on mic, but all the legal, they had to go through HBO legal and everything of we have evidence now of a crime you know, based on a documentary that we shot, how do you handle that? Uh, the watch party they had around it when that episode aired, yeah, when they had the yeah. confession and, and people in the room not knowing that it was going to be oh. in that. But, you know, you're also trying to protect. you got to work with law enforcement. And they did the right thing and went to the right channels and presented it to law enforcement when it happened. But you're also protecting a, something you worked really hard on in that docuseries, right? The documentary for HBO. This will be a movie Crazy. at some point. Oh, yeah. Who it's, plays him? That's a good question. Alec Murdoch. Don't know. I'm trying to think of a redheaded actor. Brendan Gleeson? Dave, you got one? Jesse Plemons. Yes. Jesse Plemons. That's another good redheaded actor. Jesse Plemons. Landry, or Lance, as Coach Eric this Taylor called article. him in Friday Night Lights. Good article. We could, we could get up on Outkick, just like going through each character. <laughs> trying to find a cast, cast member for each one. John Marvin is actually the... I mean, he's the guy that actually looks normal. Please, Josh. I, it's Josh yeah, Marvin. sorry, Josh Marvin. <laughs> Everybody else, I think, just kind of looks dumb. The entire family. You know, you just first impression. You're like, this guy's successful when you see him? Well, the kid just pisses me off. The, yeah, the, I, the I know. I mean, he, I'm supposed I don't to feel speak sympathetic Ill, for him. I don't want to speak ill of the murdered because his father murdered him, but... Uh, just watching no, I, the first part of it. I thought you I, meant the, the older one. Oh, the older one, too. But, like, <laughs> Paul really bothered There's something about his, the look on his face yeah. that really bothered me. And the 911 call where Paul, Papa, as they called him, they called him yeah, boy, Papa, is the dumbest thing on earth. Papa. It's <laughs> so stupid. But where he, the 911 call where the housekeeper oh, uh, allegedly fell down the stairs and is just bleeding out of her ear and her skull yeah. on the ground and. The mom hands the phone to him and the 911 operator, and she's, uh, d does the person that's on the ground have a history of seizures? And he goes, ma'am, will you stop asking me questions? <laughs> and she had to fire back and say, the ambulance is on the way. This is not slowing up the process at all, but you need to help me so I can help them with information oh. when emergency personnel arrives. And I just heard that. I'm thinking, this is the woman who was your nanny who basically raised you by all accounts, more than your own parents. And your response is, well, she doesn't look like she's alive. She's bleeding out of her ear. And then when I asked a question, man, will you stop asking me questions? Just no concern this whatsoever. Was, this was Papa you're no, talking about? No trauma. It's Papa on the phone doing it. Oh, gosh. Just they, terrible. Uh, their grandfather's name By the way, he, was he, uh, Handsome. His, they called him Handsome. His name's actually pronounced Pete. <laughs> oh, Pete. Yeah, that's right. Not Paul. I, I know it's spelled Paul, but I actually go by Pete. That, that's, how that, that's how this name should be read. Uh, what a Mc ridiculous, uh, ridiculous family, though. This the oh. whole, the whole thing. But the, so the the rise to prominence, I get like, 
uh, the everything, the lineage handed down, their attorneys, lawyers, very successful. Kind of started with his granddad, right? Yes. I think that, that was the first powerful um, And Murdoch. maybe his father. Um, yeah. But, like, this this crew's just inherited everything, and they're running around running the town. Yeah. And, I, and stealing millions and getting away with it for yeah. a long time. He stole, like, $5 million from his best friends in the practice, in the firm. He would cash checks twice. I don't know how he does that. And get away with it for that many years. And he's addicted to painkillers for like 20 years. Yeah, also the, the documentary brought to light a lot of things about the, the he says he was paying that the guy who ended up shooting him. Yeah. There's a lot of thought that, okay, if he didn't do it, maybe he hired someone to do some things. Well, he's giving this guy like $21,000 wiring him money at a time. And people are, you know, people are saying, there's no pain pills. That you're buying for twenty one thousand dollars, right? And he's claiming that's what the the transactions were all Monthly. for were for drugs, but you know twenty one thousand dollars worth of pain pills would kill you. One would think that's way too much. So there's some speculation that he was hiring this guy to do more. I I think it was fifty thousand a week is what he said on the stand. <laughs> At one point, fifty thousand a week. Fifty thousand dollars worth a week. See, that's what, a, that's what incredible. I, my theory on this is he hired some. He hired two guys to show up because there were two guns used. He hired two guys to show up and kill them. And he went back the first time thinking nervously that it was done and it wasn't. And that's where the OnStar tracking came into play. And then he acts like he's got to go see his parents, which he did. And then he comes back and they've been, you know, killed. So according to... Because he had no blood on him. There's no evidence of anything like that. It's all circumstantial. They said as far as records for payments to the drug dealer, Eddie Smith, it totaled $2.8 million. Yeah, that, that's not just... It's a lot of Percocet. That's not, that's not just opioids Yeah, that he's paying that guy for. So that, there's... It, it's Going back to the privilege part of this, Yeah, you know, someone in their family started this and started the law firm and all that. And all these guys who inherited it from Al- Alex to Pawpaw and all of them, they just basically Buster. they used the low country as their own playroom. Yeah. Like everyone and everything was disposable. People are my ATM well, machine. They, they had law I will enforcement steal on their from side. Them. I, I, will, mean, I, will, I will have law enforcement do whatever we need to get done to cover things up. He had a, he had a badge he could walk into hospitals with. And, you know, interview people. You get past the crime scene line. Well, I remember in the documentary after the boat crash, Mallory Beach, the uh, young lady who, who died tragically, her family was there every day as the search was going on. Yeah. And they couldn't go down to the, the, uh, to the shore, basically, with, with yeah, police. They weren't, they weren't allowed to go down to see the, the uh, accident or yeah, the, 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 night the scene. And the day after the accident, they watch Alex Murdoch go right down to the scene. Just lifts up the caution tape. Yeah, just lifts up and goes right in, and the yeah. cops are just welcoming in. And they, he's doing they that in the do hospital as well. As the family. And Paul, his son, in the boat accident. Paul, Paul. He knew to get on the boat because he was alerted about the uh, roadblocks for underage drinking and DUI. They had DUI roadblocks checking, checking um, automobiles. And so that's why they hopped on the boat and went for a little cruise. From a family tree standpoint, it's Randolph Murdaugh Sr., Randolph Murdaugh Jr., Randolph okay. Murdaugh third. There is Randolph Murdoff, Murdoff the fourth, but that's Alex's brother. Oh, his older brother or something? Yeah. So is Buster a Randolph also? Is that his actual name? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I guess me- it could be. They messed up when they stopped with the Randolph names. Well, they call him Buster. 
It's when they when they decided to name one of their kids Alex. Again, that's like where his, it all went south. His dad went by Handsome. That was his name. Yeah, look, the, the and entire, they're not a handsome family. Everyone in this family could have used a butt whipping. Yes. at some point in their childhood, Paw Paw, uh, prime example. That kid should have been beaten up at some point and put in his place, uh, but no one would because they didn't want the you know the long arm of the law coming after them because the law was that family in this in this area. Um, former New England Patriots uh, pass rusher Willie McGinnis, he's facing years in prison because of his role in that restaurant attack. Chad, we played this, what, about a month and a half ago probably. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a absolute beatdown uh, video through TMZ. And he's got uh, counts of assault with a deadly weapon, one count of assault by means of force likely to cause great bodily injury, among other things. And, of course, he uses a bottle that is the deadly weapon. But each charge carries a sentence of up to four years in prison, and that means he could sit behind bars for eight years because of all this being, you know, going down the way it did and him being on video and everything happening literally right below the video camera as it's filming this big fight. Yeah, there is a guy that's just sitting down in this that's remarkably calm when all this is happening, just sitting in his booth as people are being thrown to and from. It's terrible. I don't know what the defense is. I mean, they beat the hell out of him. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know like, how he beats this based on the video. What could possibly be your defense? We still don't know what sparked this. We're going to find out in trial. Yeah, I'm he, sure. He's arraigned in April, I but believe. But still, there's no, like, you can't, you know, you can't be Batman. You can't take justice in your own hands yeah. and go beat someone nearly to death in public or anywhere. So I, I don't know what... It could be the worst thing ever this guy's accused of doing to him. It doesn't matter if he's not well, found guilty of a crime. And Al- you can't just walk up and whip a guy. Alvin Kamara is on video. Yeah, it's in bad that elevator, too. and he—I think he's pled not guilty. I don't. I don't. I don't understand how. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna have to serve a lengthy suspension. I would think he's seen dragging the guy across and kicking him. Yeah, it's—it's uh, it's awful. Chad, the Toronto Raptors have apologized for posting this video for Women's History Month. Girls run the world because they're the only one that can procreate. They birth everybody. All women are great because they're all queens. That video was taken down, and the statement from, from the team is just beyond ludicrous. We're an organization that prides itself on doing the right thing when it comes to inclusion and representation, and we made a mistake. Our sincerest apologies to our players, our staff, and our fans will work to do better today and every day after. Um, what was, I mean, you've got players saying because they procreate, because they birthed us, and you have people complaining about that on social media to the point where everyone has to feel special and happy. Um, and for the idiot that thinks a guy can, have, can give birth, um, you know, they're apologizing on behalf of him. Well, they should be apologizing because that video is awful. Uh, they should not be apologizing about For the, the message. message. The messaging is fine. I've got no issue with that. Oh. But that is, a, that is SNL spoof level bad. When the one guy starts by saying, uh, women great because they procreate. I mean, that sounds like someone's making a joke. That video was it also sounds factual. awful. It oh, also- it's absolutely factual. Again... I, the, the apology stupid, 
because they're caving to someone that's just uh, a lunatic fringe that took issue with that, and they're apologizing for the wrong thing. The video never should have been published because it's a terrible video. Here's Chad Withrow's stance if I'm a pro team owner. Support nothing. Don't put anything out. I don't care what month it is. Only support your team. We will post social media things about this team that I own, and that's it. And our sponsors, our paid sponsors, we will support that. You can only get in trouble by supporting certain causes or whatever the causes being that you're okay with women, I guess, in this respect. It's so stupid, and the video is so dumb. Don't apologize because some idiot was offended by the video. Apologize because the video is awful. And your promotions department or marketing team or whoever put that video out there should apologize for that because it was terrible. <laughs> it was joke-level bad. That's what you should be apologizing for. Well, they're apologizing because there's a uh, you know, biological male that's upset that you know, they didn't say that I don't even know if that's what they're saying. I don't know if that's exactly what they're... I, I think... <laughs> The way I read it, the apology was that the video comes across as sounding like the women's only value in the world is having children, and it's disrespectful to women who don't care at all about having children. I see. I, I, look I didn't at take it, it that way at all. But I again, took it I like they, they want to. Uh, they want to. Everyone is entitled to feeling special, so they didn't want to just say women. No, I don't. I don't know that they're you know saying oh well what about guys that give birth or you know they're not, I don't know that it's much of that as much as no there are people out there that are saying that they think it's insensitive because it comes across as well oh, women's only value is being a mother so now instead of uh, the the women's empowerment event is taking place uh, later this month like two weeks from now so Toronto I'm sure will be you know on their p's and q's this time well just don't post anything. Again, go, go back to the Chad well, Withrow ownership formula of, with this team, we support nothing. If you want to give charitable donations to childhood cancer <laughs> research or anything like that, fine. And if you want to post about it, fine. But when it's awareness month about well, anything, but here's the problem. we don't support it. We don't post videos about it. Unless the NBA players want to do it, and then they're doing it. Well, that, and that's, The players run the league. And that's the reason the NBA sucks. Yeah is because the owners and the league have no say. They've allowed players to run things, and that's why you have players now claiming they need load management and to not play in every game when they're making yep. absurdly high salaries and money to play the game. It's, it's all so ridiculous. Chad, MLB just around the corner. The Orioles, my Orioles last season – 500 season, much better than expected. Yeah. In the playoff race in August, that's unheard of for this current regime that's in place. And Kurt Schilling on the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show that's available now at Outkick.com, he's discussing the young pitching staff in Baltimore. The problem is, uh, the, the, the only problem is with a kid that age, and, and he's clearly physically more mature than most 19-year-olds. Mentally, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's doing well. But the the, the, the gap of where he is mentally as a pitcher to where he will eventually be is larger than the Grand Canyon. And, and so there, that's the, for me, that's the, the, um, that's the unknown. How is, how is he going to react? Because basically you're looking at a kid who has never played at a league or a level with equal competition. He's always been the best. And, and what you see with a lot of these kids, they've been the best at every level they've ever been at. The big leagues for some people is the first time you ever play on an equal playing field or a playing field that's better than you are. 
So, and that's an adjustment. That's a physical and mental change. Some guys don't adjust to it. Some guys just are, are overwhelmed by it. Some guys are like, oh, hum, I'll just work and get better. Um, so, and, and that's the unknown for me. I not knowing these kids and, 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 you know, getting a, the impression of what they, they are from a makeup perspective. And that's why you kind of, like I said, I, you know, the, the Mets kid with bad, that's why I love the Mets uh, this year as a potential is, is, I love Buck Walter. I love what he's going to do. I think he's going to get the most that you can get out of that team again this year. Uh, and I think that they end up going uh, going farther this year. So, but yeah, no, the, the Orioles are going to be a fun. Uh, listen, I would love to be uh, an Orioles season ticket holder now, uh, even though uh, you heard the owner talk about wanting to get concerts to the stadium for some idiotic reason. Um, but I would love to be an Orioles fan right now because I think that they are—they drafted phenomenal. I think Adley Rushman's an MVP candidate this year. Happy Friday to you. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Hutton Withrow here. Chad Paxton Lynch has accomplished another mark. Low watermark for his football career. Continues to plunge the depths. Paxton Lynch has, he, he became last week the only quarterback to ever be benched in the NFL, CFL, XFL, and USFL. Quite the feat. Former first round pick for the Denver Broncos. I mean, I, all I can say to that is, yeah, well done. Good job, Paxton. Well done. What else? Go, man. The Arena League's coming back, so he could jump back there, or you know, or maybe the Guardians in the XFL will reach out to Paxton Lynch if he's ever released because Quentin Dormandy, former quarterback for the Vols, where did he transfer to, or did he? He transferred to Houston. Houston, former Houston Cougar and Tennessee Volunteer, Quentin Dormandy. Uh, the story is that he allegedly gave, and he's in the XFL allegedly gave an opposing team plays from the Guardian's playbook. The team heard about it. They investigated this claim. They then released Quentin Dormady. And then they also removed any of his stats from the XFL website. Is He's he mad a, at his team and that's why he did this? I or was he just being dumb? They're, like, two, they're two weeks in, right? Yeah. I mean, no clue. But, I mean, these, these spring leagues behind the scenes... And I mean, they, they're unfiltered, mic'd up. The craziness behind the scenes with this—that's that needs to be the net, the next Netflix series where you follow I around. I agree. Yeah. That, that, because just being behind the scenes last year with the USFL and they're trying to get this going and everything's in Birmingham. Put that on steroids with the XFL because they're traveling every week. Yeah. You know, commercially, they're not all just staying in a hotel or apartments, right. you know, close to the stadium in yeah. one, one city. I mean, this is child's play, probably, behind the scenes. The fact that they're sharing playbooks. Well, here's the problem with the, the sharing of the playbooks. Um, it affects gambling. And that's, of course. that's where the XFL has really done a good job of going all in. They've got the point spread. They've got the over-under on the score bug the entire game. If you go and watch one of their games, they've yeah. got all the betting information there with the score and the time at the bottom oh, of the this? screen. And, you know, this is... Uh, they've reinstated him, Chad. They've now reinstated him in the XFL. They're they, 0-2, and it wasn't Dormady's fault. They must have found out that he Just seen this. didn't send it. No, who, um, who knows? But you affect, if you're affecting outcomes of games with that, it affects the integrity of the game, 
And that's a problem when you're going to be all in on, on gambling and betting on the game. Yes. Additional information on the situation was brought to the attention of the league overnight, and the league has reinstated the player while it conducts a formal investigation into the issue. The situation is under review. We will share more details regarding the findings as appropriate. So they're just they're putting him back in the league. He's not banned, but I guess he's still released. He's reinstated, though. He's been reinstated. Yeah, I mean, again, like, released following the investigation is, what, is the way the initial report read for allegedly sharing plays from the Guardians' playbook with an opposing team. Released following investigation, but now we've got more info, so we're going to reinstate him and do a formal investigation. So the first investigation must not have been very good. Well, if they're coming back reaction, immediately and he's just saying, saying I, I didn't do that. But they're saying they're going to release more. They haven't cleared him by making that statement either. They've reinstated him while they continue to review the issue. Yeah, you're right about the the betting on this. They're 0-2 on the season. Yeah, and look, if you bet on them and you lost a lot of money on it, not that you can go back and claim you know, you're going to get your money back. I'm saying that makes me less likely to bet on that sport or watch it if I find out yeah. the quarterbacks are giving playbooks to the opposition before the game. Read the rest of the story, outkick.com and Fox News Digital, uh, with the, the statements not naming him directly, but they did release that statement to uh, Fox News when we were inquiring about it. So crazy, man. And I, I can't wait to find out what he did it for, if it's true. Yeah, I mean, it, was it just an innocent, like, I'm, I'm exchanging playbooks with someone to see what they're working on, or was there something nefarious? That's my question. More headlines next, including a former SEC running back 